Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad that you're joining us today. And we are going to continue talking about staff training. And part of the reason is at the beginning of the what we think of as the traditional school year, usually mid-August, uh, to September, child care centers across the country start getting their staff excited for the new school year. I'm not really sure why we decide as an industry that that's our start date, because it is the start date for public school or traditional year-round schooling, um, or not year-round schooling, traditional nine-month schooling. However, as an industry, we've kind of adopted that. So, Today, we are going to expand and continue talking about staff training. And Carrie, why don't you get us started and let's start talking about how do people even know what they need to train on? I mean, I know that there's some classes that, well, whether we like them or not, we just have to do them. And not just once, we have to do them every year. Well, and, and we talked about that a lot last week about, you know, this is the annual required training. Um, I was meeting with a director today who moved to Texas from Nevada and they have to have annual training, but those ones that here in Texas, we have to have every year, they do once or at most once every two to three years. Like they don't have to have abuse every year. (laughs) And she was just like, really every year. And I'm like, yep, all of these topics. Um, So outside of that, we have to figure out what are the needs of our school. Um, And if you're new into this position, you may not know. Um, So you've got to talk to your veterans at the school. Um, If you're going into an existing school, if you're starting your center, then you're going to need to assess what are your, what are your foundational principles or, you know, what is your educational philosophy? How do we train people on that? If you're a play-based center and you've hired people who were elementary school teachers before they came to your center, what are some, I mean, Kate, talk, what, I mean, what do you think would happen if you were a play-based program where you're like, all learning comes through play and you hired, you know, a retired second grade teacher? Um, most likely that second grade teacher has a very academic driven perspective and is going to want the kids to be sitting at the tables doing their schoolwork. Now, is that necessarily all of them? No. And that is something that when you're doing a needs assessment, you probably want to make sure that you're not overgeneralizing. So there are going to be things like Carrie mentioned, educational philosophy or program basics. Um, That'll be great probably to cover with everybody every maybe three years. Uh, However, remember that if you have staff who've been with you for nine, 10 years, and they've already gotten this every year for a couple of years, uh, this is a great opportunity to to figure out different spins. Um, It's also great when you're putting together your needs assessment to definitely look at what is the training you did the last three years that you provided? And maybe even what are some of the trainings or workshops that maybe your staff attended in the last three years? Because if you're selecting specific content as a director, because you went to a conference, maybe you're a program that pays for a conference for your staff. Do you ever actually look to see what they went and took? Um, Because that may give you some insight into who they are. (laughs) Um, I attended a conference just a couple of weeks ago and somebody said, oh yeah, 
when we go, we all go to the same workshops. And I was like, very confused. I was like, why would you all go to the same workshop? Yeah, uh, that doesn't work in my head at all. We're not, we're not no, vacuuming not, up all I, the available. That would not go with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want, I want my center to vacuum up all the available knowledge that they can. We got to disperse. Um, but having yeah. a couple people in the same workshop, then they can discuss it. <clears throat> um, but other things are, um, are there kids coming into your program for whom English is not their first language? Do you have kids coming into your program that have diagnosed special needs? Those are things that you are going to want to have training on at the center because yeah, maybe they're coming into your ones classroom, but eventually they're going to be in the twos classroom and the threes classroom. And so <clears throat> we can talk about, okay, when we have a child who has a visual disability, here are things we're going to do here at the center. But if you don't know, so say the person who's coming in your program who has a disability is one you've never worked with, then you're like, okay, I need to hire someone to come in to do a training on this topic uh, because I need the support as well as my staff needing the support. Um, so you brought up a great point there, Carrie, and that is, hiring or bringing somebody in. And I'm going to stress the hiring because a lot of times as directors, we have a tendency to forget that we want to make our profession a profession. <laughs> and so we try to get, oh, a friend that we know or somebody that we know uh, because we, we get overwhelmed by budget. And I'm just going to stress you get what you pay for. And so definitely keep that in mind. But the other thing is, is also you don't necessarily want somebody to provide everything you might ever want to know about a specific age group or topic. Um, this is a great opportunity to bring that person twice and once at the beginning of the school year. And once again, perhaps maybe in January or February, where you've got an opportunity for people to go, okay, wow, so much the last time, or we have had all these issues. <laughs> um, other places to look at when trying to figure out your needs assessment. And, and I don't really like this one, but it's a big one, which is your inspection reports. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was in your most recent licensing inspection? What did they say? Um, are you having issues with paperwork? Are you having issues with sanitation, hand washing, um, teachers knowing how many children they have, <laughs> um, name to face, um, count um, you know, what are the things that you're getting cited for? And not just on your licensing inspection, but also your health inspection. And if relevant, your fire inspection. Usually the staff don't have a whole lot to do with the fire inspection, <laughs> but. But unfortunately they do have to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> and we do have to do those. Well, and another one that's been coming up for a lot of centers this year um, here in Texas is an active shooter you know, information about what to do if an active shooter comes into your building, because in Texas, we have learned that our police will not come into the building. Um, so I have had more requests for trainings on active shooter, and I actually need to get from you uh, that retired sheriff's deputy that you know, um, and start shilling him out to some centers, <laughs> um, or at least talk to him about whether he'd be willing to go out. Um, but that's another one that is feeling to a lot of directors like a need this year. Um, 
And that's part of their needs assessment is, like I said, I've had four centers ask if we do that training. So that's a great um, thing I'd like to bring up real quick, just because we have somebody who is in an industry that it seems like they would make sense to to be able to teach that training, always talk to them. Um, And if you are... I would say probably probably 60 or 70% of the programs who've worked with us in the last 20 years have been programs that are part of a, another master agency. And with everything that's happened in the last three or four years, more and more of these larger organizations, school districts, churches, large nonprofits are finding themselves with whole safety organizations Uh, with emergency action plans. And so make sure that instead of reinventing the wheel, that you actually invite their safety officers, their emergency action plan (laughs) to come into your program, because you want to make sure that you're doing what they're expecting and that the communication chain is the same. So if you're going to go through... unfortunately, an active shooter training, um, and you happen to be in a church or a school, which in Texas, um, we have a lot of those. Um, It's a great way to reduce your rent um, and those types of fees. But if that church doesn't have an emergency action plan, you need to get them to get one. (laughs) Yeah. You need to make sure that your staff are trained on their emergency action plan. Um, Because again, Uh, organizations like that, that have large congregations, have lots of people in their network, uh, they may already have those people on staff. So, or not even on staff who are, who have already volunteered. So again, just five minutes ago, I talked about how sometimes we, we try to get, we tried to go on the cheap. Well, remember as directors, yeah, we want to go on the cheap, right? We're trying to be conscious of budget, but we also want to make sure that we're being appropriate. So if you're with a a church or some sort of large organization that may have volunteers, maybe this isn't something you actually have to pay for. Maybe the church will, or maybe this is something that um, their safety team does as part of their um, service back to the community. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just, you know, where do you find the providers if you're wanting safety training, right? We know if we want um, lifeguard training that we go to the Red Cross, right? We know that. Everybody knows lifeguard training, Red Cross. Where do you find your trainers if you want someone to come in and talk about child development or you want somebody to come in and talk to you, uh, to your staff about, you know, what does it mean that we have these allergy action plans up on the wall (laughs) or Licensing is cited as three times in the last two years for this one thing. I feel like you're not getting it. <laughs> somebody else come in and talk to you because I've talked to you and you ain't listening or else we wouldn't have been cited a third time. <laughs> so how do they find them? Well, you know, what's great about Texas is that you and I've been around long enough that 20 years ago, this didn't exist on a statewide level. Now we have been in the Austin community providing and working with child care centers for over 25 years. And 25 years ago, Austin actually had a little training network that sent out a calendar and you could see who, where, when, and how much. And when I talk about we are stagnant in our budget, 
I still see people charge the exact same thing we were charging 25 years ago when we start talking per head per hour. So, you know, just like every other industry, it's really hard to keep people. Well, let's make sure we we, we actually figure out how to train and sustain our staff and retain. So um, over the course of the last 15 years, um, along with some federal funding, Texas has put together a trainer registry. And if you aren't already familiar with the Texas Trainer Registry that is hosted and sponsored by the Texas Head Start program out of the Houston area, you need to. Um, Every one of your staff should be registered. You should be definitely figuring out how to put your trainers on there um, because they'll keep track of their training hours. I mean, it's great for your trainers um, or for your staff um, to be able to see their, their career development. It's also a great opportunity for you to not necessarily have to be the babysitter of all pieces of paper. Um, Yes, you want their training certificates, but you have to decide, are you going to always keep the originals? Is there a place for them to get a a duplicate copy if they lose one? So these are some things that um, I have mixed emotions. I do have trainer or not trainers, uh, directors who want all the originals. They keep them. They won't give them to people if people leave or move on. Um, They're like, well, I paid for it. Um, Okay. But, (laughs) you know, I mean, that doesn't mean that you, you know, at least in my opinion, that doesn't mean that you should be hijacking someone's piece of paper that proved they took a training. Um, But like I said, um, that could be its own podcast (laughs) episode in itself. Um, But definitely get to know. what types of trainings and not even just what types of trainings. um, What are the ways that your staff learn best? If you have taken a director program, you know that we want you to know um, what your own training styles are, but do you know your staff's training styles? So, so let's give them the website for uh, tech peds (laughs) because if they type in tech peds, it's not going to show up because that's not actually what it's called. It's tecpds.org. TECPDS.org. All of your staff should have, you should have them all set up accounts there so that it will track their training. Um, If they give you a certificate and you have attached them to you as the director, you can add their certificates if the trainer they were going with is like me and always forgets to use the, (laughs) I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. Um, the conference I went to this last weekend, um, every session had a QR code instead of passing out stickers. And so you would take a picture of the QR code and it would add that session to your TechPeds um, training log. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. So I'm going to try to figure out how to do those QR codes because that works for me. I can do that. <laughs> um, they having to go in and enter everybody's name. And if they, if I can't read what they wrote, uh, um, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm liking the new QR code thing. So I'm going to figure out how to do that for our, for my trainings. Um, but the other thing you can do on tech peds is you can find trainers and they will have listed trainings that they do. And even if there's not one, that's exactly what you want. If it's in the same area, you can go, Hey, I noticed that you have here a training about, um, active supervision. Yeah. Supervision 101 or something like that. Right. 
Um, do you have one that is, can you do a training that is specifically about playground supervision? Because that's where we seem to be having a problem. So do you, can you do a, a one or a two hour training on playground supervision? And they'll probably say yes. Um, if they don't think they can, then they'll tell you no, but you can at least find people who train in your area who train in that general topic. And you can reach out to them and say, how much do you charge? And it's going to be, there. there's a huge range from $50 to $300 per hour or $500 per hour is the most I've seen. Um, so it'll be somewhere between 50 and $500. <laughs> nice narrow range there. Um, but of course, the people who've been doing it longer or who have more expertise are going to be charging more in the couple hundred dollars range than in the $50 range. Um, another thing you can do, and a, you know, again, a thing that was not done 25 or however many years ago I've been in the industry, more than 25, um, Online training wasn't a thing. It was, you get a training booklet, you read the booklet, you do a quiz. Um, and, you know, Kate and I were some of the first people to put on an out online class and people were like, I don't know about this. This is very dodgy. Um, and now there's a, several good organizations that put out training online. If And so if you've got staff who learn well that way, that can be very economical. But if you have staff who have a tendency towards ADHD or they're a very kinetic learner, you're just paying for them to go to a training so that they get a training certificate and they're not going to retain it. So your kinetic learners, those video classes are not going to work as far as improving their skill level. It'll work as far as licensing compliance, but that's not the whole reason <laughs> for doing the training. It's not just so you're in compliance with licensing. It's so that your staff gets better, right? That's why we said, you know, you need to do a needs assessment. What does your staff need? And so you are going to probably have a variety of trainings you provide, trainings that you bring somebody in for, online training, and maybe some conferences or trainings that a big group of you guys go to you know, at another center or at a community center or the local workforce board or library and y'all all go or, you know, three or four of you go to those trainings. So I want you to mix it up and I want you to, for the trainings that you're doing, please, Lord, make them interesting. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a director training your staff and you have never taken a train the trainer course, uh, we talked about that last episode. Um, definitely give us a call. Let us help you find um, the types of resources that are going to work best for you to learn how to train better. Um, if you do not have your own network, if you have not been going to conferences and networking with other directors, shame on you. Um, but now is the time. Um, we're getting ready for fall conference season. Go find a couple of directors in your community and you know, go train for each other. Um, if for no other reason than maybe that's where you need to go. Um, Carrie and I've heard this forever. I'm sure y'all have heard it, but you know, there's the something about you're always going to be um, better perceived <laughs> um, someplace else than at home. So, um, you know, we do a lot of conferences. Uh, Carrie does great keynote speaking, um, but it's almost always 
organizations outside of Austin. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's like, so you people locally don't want me? <laughs> okay, well, these people will pay me to travel. So I guess I go to travel. Um, and since I just verified with, um, the person who used to run the, uh, directors networking group here in Austin, that they are no longer doing it. They didn't start it back up after COVID. So I may have to start up a director networking group here in the Austin area, just cause (laughs) I think there should be one. And hopefully sometimes people will come other than me, but you know, if I do it at um, Kirby Lane or another, you know, restaurant I really like, I can just sit there and eat chips and queso. And if nobody else comes, it won't be too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, La Madeline has meeting rooms usually, and I like their food too. Um, <laughs> well, that one's closer to your house. There's a Kirby closer to mine. So when does the Kirby hosting... have a? Does your Kirby have a room, a breakout room? No, it has the outside. <laughs> oh, it's <just> hot. <laughs> That is true. Right now it is hot. Right now, the Madeline would probably be better. Like, but you can get me going anywhere outside right now. But anyway, give me a swimming yeah. pool. Can we have a networking meeting in a swimming pool? <laughs> but anyway, if that's another thing that you can bring or that an outside person can bring is that networking element. Um, your staff knowing that other people deal with parents who yell at them for not wiping a four-year-old's bottom, you know, that they don't have to feel so alone. Um, when you bring in somebody from the outside or you go to a training together and they see, wait, you mean this is not the only crazy parent in the world? <laughs> other people have had to deal with this. Um, I think it that does an awful lot for your staff's professionalism. Yeah, so it really does. We're well, really going to so strongly- every- oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. And if you ever have a topic that you think would make a great podcast, or maybe you just have a question um, and Carrie has a tiger. Um, this next week is tiger time. Oh, We're next week tiger is tiger time. time. I'm like, there is some stuffed animal looking at me. And so <laughs> uh, we hope that you join us next week for Tiger Time. And no, it is not the tiger from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, we are not talking about tiger puppets. So if you are not sure what we're talking about, you need to make sure that you jump on next week. If you ever feel like you are drowning and that you just never seem to get your to-do list to done, Uh, join us next week. Okay. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.